Welcome to Digging In, where we provide a front row seat to politics in New Hampshire. I'm State Representative Anita Burroughs. I'm here to bring you the inside track on the people and politics that are shaping our state. Today, I'm speaking with Representative Wendy Thomas from Merrimack, who has been called the mouse that roared for the work that she has done in exposing the dangers of PFAS in New Hampshire. Wendy explains why PFAS, called the forever chemical, is causing life-threatening harm to granite staters. Wendy shares her personal story about how PFAS has done damage to her health and that of her family and her neighbors. I'm Anita Burroughs, and I want to thank Wendy Thomas to another edition of Digging In. And today we're going to be talking about PFAS, and we will we will get into that in a minute. I just want to talk a little to Wendy a little bit about her background. So you're a microbiologist by background, is that correct? That was one of my jobs. One of my uh, college degrees is in medical biology. So um, when I got that degree, I moved into, I was a clinical microbiologist. So I worked in a commercial lab. Hey, but let's see, we can see why you have the, the background there. So um, you were elected in 2018 and then you lost the election in 2020 and you came back again in 2022, which is what happens to a lot of people. So right. glad to have you back. Well, thank and you. You've been called the mouse at Ward. So I want to talk about that. And um, maybe we can start by talking about, I guess we should really talk about first, what is PFAS and what is the... What is the risk to us uh, right here in New Hampshire? Sure. Well, so first of all, I live in a town that has more PFAS than is normal. Um, if you tested everybody's blood, they would probably have some PFAS in their blood. Can you explain to people what basically what PFAS is? Okay. So um, PFAS, and and actually when I say PFAS, I'm, I'm talking about more than 15,000 chemicals. They're all, they belong in a class. And PFAS is, is defined as having a carbon fluorine bond. And that's as far as I'm going to go into organic chemistry because I hated it in college just with everybody else. Okay, but, good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this bond is very, very, very strong. So that's why these chemicals are called forever chemicals because they do not break down. That bond is so strong. You need incredible heat to break them down. PFAS chemicals have a place in our lives. Um, you've probably, if you have Teflon pans, you've used PFAS chemicals. You know, we, we advise people to move away from Teflon pans because once they start getting corroded, once they start pitting, you're actually ingesting PFAS. So that's not good. What is the danger to pe people in terms of PFAS? Oh, well, there's many, many dangers, but it's not like, it's not like arsenic or something. If you, if you ingest it, you're going to get immediately ill. Um, PFAS at low levels, but with constant chronic exposure, uh, cause all kinds of cancers. Um, they cause uh, immune systems to break down. They cause vaccines to not be as effective. They are called uh, hormone disruptors. And what that means is that they they mimic some of the hormones in our body, like estrogen and progesterone, which is why we find uh, people who are chronically exposed to PFAS, they have testicular cancer, they have prostate cancer, they have uterine cancer, cervical cancer, and breast cancer, all of the reproductive cancers we're seeing with these chemicals. 
They're also finding that pregnant women who drink water that is in the levels we have in our town, throughout their pregnancy, they have a higher risk of having a child born with learning disabilities. So can, can you you talk for a minute? I mean, if you're comfortable doing it about your own medical history with PFAS. Would that sure, be- sure. Yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. In fact, um, you know, I'm I'm very vocal about my my health because I people need to see what's you know what PFAS can do. Um, you can't see PFAS, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, but it's still there and it's very, very dangerous. In our family, we have a private well. And we live three miles from this this company that has contaminated our town, which is St. Cobain. And the state had told us that only the people within a half mile radius of this company needed to be concerned about contaminated water. Then they did some testing and they said, oh, you know, we're going to extend that just to be, you know, safe. It's really a mile out that people don't, you know, people have to be concerned. Now we live three miles from St. Cobain. I have six children. We've, we have a private well. My kids all have um, lactose intolerance. So we never drank milk. We always drank water. I breastfed all of them. So I drank a ton of this water. Uh, so I had our well tested in 2016 and it was so contaminated, we had to shut it down. And we had the money to install a full house filtra- filtration system with a reverse osmosis RO system in our kitchen. And so we thought we were doing the right thing. And we had the kids, they could only drink water from the RO. You know, we, we changed the filters regularly. But then these, these medical problems kept popping up in our family. My kids have autoimmune issues. My, my young adult children between the ages of 23 and 32 Um, Some of them have cardiac issues, they have joint issues, they have cholesterol issues. You know, after a while, you hear a quack, and then another quack, and then another quack, and and people, you know, the doctors kind of say, you know, well, that's bad luck and everything. But after a while, there's so much quacking, you know, it's a duck, you know, and, and you can sort of make connections. My husband has high cholesterol. Um, When he was 55 years old, which is very early for this, he had to have a quadruple uh, cardiac bypass. Yeah. And those are all linked with, with PFAS, as are the autoimmune diseases, as are joint issues and skin issues, as well as, as uh, reproductive and fertility issues. Now, last year, I was uh, diagnosed with invasive lobular breast cancer. You know, it was a shock because I have no history in my family at all of this, you know, but, you know, cancer happens. So I just thought maybe I, you know, got the short end of the stick or something. They did some testing. I don't have any genetic markers for cancer. And then I was working with an advocacy group down in Washington, D.C., the Environmental Working Group. And they said, hey, Wendy, let's check your blood levels for PFAS. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think we should, you know, to get the information. But we've been doing the right thing since 2016. So I expected some, but not a lot. And what we found out is that I have 12 chemicals in my body that are over the toxic limit that's allowed for humans. So, so you can test people to see if it is in their systems because there's some been some pushback on that in the house. Yes. And our first, um, my first term um, working with Nancy Murphy, Kathy Stack and Rosemary Rung, we actually passed a bill that, that uh, health insurance in New Hampshire has to cover PFAS testing. So you can go to your doctor, anyone can, can order it, but you know, if you have cause, you can get it done. 
The thing is, they're only testing for a few PFAS chemicals. Um, and remember, there's 15,000 of them. Wow. So how are you doing today health-wise? Well, um, you, I mean, I can never say that I'm cancer-free because cancer doesn't work that way. Um, I've had a bilateral mastectomy um, because I was like, my breasts are trying to kill me. I don't want them anymore. They're not my friends. Get rid of them. I had to have a revision to that uh, it, this past May because there was so much scar tissue and um, muscle damage. And then um, I had gone up to Dartmouth-Hitchcock in Lebanon and they looked at my blood results and everything. And, and I had a high concentration of a series of chemicals that hit the ovaries and the fallopian tubes. So I had to have surgery to have both of those prophylactically removed. I had had a hysterectomy years ago, you know, so I didn't have my uterus, but so I've had three major operations in the last year. And, you know, I've got scar tissue. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not as strong as I used to be, you know, I sort of get fatigue, but right now I could be cancer free, but let's face it with that kind of chemical in my blood, it's just, you know, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. You also mentioned in committee, Wendy, that some of your pets died and you feel that that was related to PFAS. Absolutely. So we go for the little dogs, you know, the little bedroom slipper dogs. And um, so far I've had to put four of them down for to, because of cancer. Four. I mean, that seems uh, statistically significant. They didn't have a normal lifespan, you're saying? No, no. And I've talked with our, our local vet and he says that he sees cancer in the Merrimack dogs all the time, dogs and cats, you know, because they're the canaries in the coal mine. They've got this small body weight. They're drinking this, this contaminated water. Um, so it's going to affect them more than that. So has it been demonstrated clearly that, that the source of this was St. Coban and the, the chemicals that they were dumping? Um, it has been demonstrated that many of the chemicals that we're seeing in our water and in our bodies are because of Saint-Cobain. And that's because they have a very definite fingerprint of which chemicals they're using. So we can, you know, logistically tie it back to them. On my street, I live on a short street. There's four houses that have uh, private wells. In house number one, the dad died of uh, kidney cancer. In house number two, the dad and adult son died of colon cancer. In house number three, the dad is actively dying of prostate cancer. Um, the fourth house is my house, and we've got breast cancer and we've got cardiac issues. So again, that seems statistically significant to me. You know, I would say so. Um, that that is that is actually appalling. And when did people first was first become aware of what? what was happening through St. Cobain? So in 2016, um, St. Cobain self-reported that they had high levels of PFAS in their water. Um, so you knew, you know it's bad if a company is self-reporting because they, they don't want this to get out. They knew that, that PFAS chemicals were bad. And they, and they also know that this had happened in Vermont as well as Hoosick Falls in New York State. So they have a history of coming into towns, you know, dumping garbage into the towns, polluting them, contaminating them, and then getting up and moving. So um, in 2016, they self-reported, but they lied about, about the amount that they had actually discharged, which uh, the Boston Globe had verified that they had lied. 
recently they they have uh, thermal scrubbers on on their their building, which are supposed to catch PFAS uh, particles because they incinerate every night. They incinerate garbage. The particulates. Remember, you need really really high heat, and it's not as high to break the bonds. So the particulates, which are PFAS chemicals, coat our town every time they incinerate. The, the rain drives it down into the ground. It gets into the water and it gets into our produce too. Our produce has PFAS in it. Wow, that, that's actually amazing. And um, the thing that I read that blew me away is that there was this widespread understanding of what was happening. And I, I you have to tell me what year it is that the um, Department of DES, Department of Environmental Services, granted them a permit to keep going in 2028. I don't understand that. I don't either. And and actually, that's why one of my bills is that going forward to give any kind of permits, DES has to look at, they have to demonstrate that there is a public benefit and they have to evaluate the community impact. Because in a meeting I was in with DES, they basically said, if you fill out the application and you've got everything, you've checked off all the boxes, you're going to get your permit. And that to me doesn't make any sense at all because people are literally dying. And I, that's just kind of mind boggling that yeah. state agency that's supposed to be protecting us um, from environment, these environmental factors allowed that to go on. Right. And the other thing is that with those thermal scrubbers, they had installed a bypass that they didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell uh, DES about. And so their scrubbers failed. And so they used the bypass and they self-reported that they because of because nothing was being filtered they put 17 pounds of this chemical into our our town air you know and one drop in an olympic swimming pool is enough to make it contaminated wow and uh, they they now we know that um this year they just they made an announcement they were going to be leaving do you think it pressure that that you that the activists were putting on them and all the the bad PR that they were getting that forced them out. Um, I would like to say that it was it was us that did it. But, you know, money talks a lot and um, they they've had it good in New Hampshire. They haven't been challenged. We don't have the regulations They're They're in like Flint with um, our governor. So so they had they had it good in New Hampshire, which is one of the reasons they came here. I actually, I, I, I think we helped tip the, tip the decision. However, I think what is more likely is that the EPA is, is posturing that they're going to get on top of this PFAS situation, create limits that are going to be very, very expensive for this company to uphold. Right. The, the the thing that really infuriated me was I went on, actually it started, I was reading the, the New York Times and this ad popped up for St. Bain. And so I clicked on it and they positioning themselves as leaders in, in environmental sustainability. No, I know. It was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> people have done all this damage and people are dying and now you're leaders, you're yeah. leaders sustainability. I don't, I don't. It's, I mean, good for you for making making this this uh, PR facade, but that's not who they are. It's gaslighting. I mean, it, you know, they they've got more lawyers than, you know, there are daisies in a field and they have more money than God. And so they're not afraid to challenge or put out things like that. You have obviously you have a lot of medical bills. Other families have they 
offered to to help subsidize that in any way? So we get bottled water from them. So for the last about three plus years, the only water that we've had to drink or cook in our house is bottled water because we can't trust our well water. So they they pay for the bottled water. We get, you know, we get a delivery about once a month and we get about 164 gallons at a time. So we get cases and cases. Where where do you put cases and cases and cases of water? So we have them, you know, in our living room and we have them in the foyer and, you know. I also have to shower. Right. Well, we have to shower with, with the house water. I mean, we can't use bottled water for that. So, you know, we're still not clean in this household. And and the thing is with the, um, when you shower with dirty water like this, and I'm not talking dirty, mud dirty, I'm talking contaminated dirty, it vaporizes into the steam and then you're inhaling this stuff. That is getting it. absolutely infuriating. And being married to a, an attorney, I assume that they didn't want to voluntarily assist with the medical bills because then they would have been acknowledging their part in this. Correct. More money involved. Right. And the other thing is, is that this is a French based company. Their headquarters are in Paris. France has really strict environmental laws. If they did this in France, they'd be in jail, but you know, live free or die. We, we let them do whatever they want in New Hampshire. I mean, I've heard that DES has been monitoring them, but, but, you know, they've lied. They've consistently lied. So we have no idea, really, the extent of the damage that they've done. Are there lawsuits um, going forward to, to, to hold them accountable? There is a lawsuit, and I'm actually a member of it, but it, it's been years and it will be years and years more. Um, it's for the private well owners. And so we have to prove that they contaminated our well first. And then the next step is to prove that there's been physical injury because of it. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be years and years and years. You know, I may not even be alive when it's determined. Who knows? It's absolutely um, unbelievable. I don't know what other word to use for it. And so, you know, I am, as you know, I'm in the Commerce Committee. So we heard some of these bills the last session when we're, we're not going to talk too much about them because those those conversations are still ongoing and I don't want to uh, interfere with that but I guess I what surprised me when you came in to testify about your medical history it just seems that there's a lot of skepticism among legislators that well how do you know that this impacted that the PFAS impacted your health and I don't understand where that's coming from because it seemed very clear to me that there was a direct cause from exactly. Well, I think it's kind of the conundrum we have with the vaccines right now. There's a very sort of anti-science group of people that, you know, and again, remember, you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. And then we have people saying, you know, I've lived in Merrimack my whole life and I've had the water and I'm not sick. You're not sick yet. You know, you could very likely, you know, be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow. You know, the science is starting to come in. We have higher rates of cancer in Merrimack than what they would expect to see. Right now, they've got kidney and testicular cancer. And I really question that because I, when I've gone public with, you know, in my town with my breast cancer uh, story, so many women reached out to me and said, I've got breast cancer too. I've got breast cancer. Oh, I've got breast cancer, you know. So I really think that the numbers are off and I'm not sure how they collect the information. Right. 
when I first I first ran for office in 2018 and uh, the Democratic Party sent out a mailer on my behalf and it was about PFAS. And very honestly, I thought people up in the North Country, they don't even know what PFAS is. And it's not I mean, very frank, it's not a concern to them. And I was absolutely astounded to find out that there have been, uh, they have found PFAS in our groundwater in Conway and there's some in Jackson. So it's not just a problem of Merrimack. Can you speak to that about how pervasive this is? Well, so we're the epicenter, well, uh, and the the seacoast because they, but theirs is a little bit different. Theirs is because the, um, the military base out there used firefighting foam. So, right. so they've sort of stopped the contamination and now they're doing cleanup and the wells and, and that kind of stuff. We have ongoing contamination. Every single day we get more contaminated. So we have very, very high levels of PFAS in our blood. Um, I had said earlier that you, you know, if you have your blood tested, you will show that you have PFAS in your blood. Some of it comes from, from you know, Gore-Tex. When, you know, we're, we're an outdoor state. We wear, you know, waterproof shoes. We wear, you know, our tents are waterproof. Our, our jackets are waterproof. That's all, that's all PFAS chemicals that are doing that. It's a plastic that coats fabric to make it impermeable. So it's good for waterproofing. You know, Karen Ebel has, has a bill going forward that would uh, prohibit certain carpets from going into landfills because carpets are treated with stain resistors, which is, you know, a PFAS chemical. If you get a fast food burger, you know, it's wrapped in sort of that, that wax paper. Well, it's not wax. It's coated with PFAS, which is impermeable. So it doesn't leak or it doesn't, you know, it, it contains the burger for you, you know, and there's PFAS in makeup. There's PFAS in, um, uh, women have have something. It's fairly new. It's called um, period panties, and these are sort of you know underwear that that you know so you don't leak or you know you don't have to wear a, a pad or something. Those are coated in in PFAS, you know, and to put that chemical right near your reproductive organs like that that's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. So no. we have to get rid of these chemicals, but it's going to be very hard. Well. I can see why it's hard. I mean, we're really struggling even to get some basic thing passed. Um, again, you know, we won't get into detail, but the carpet bill is now before us in commerce. And before before the or while the bill was being introduced, I went to some local carpet stores and I asked the owners, you know, are you familiar? Do you know what PFAS is? And they did had no idea. They were very concerned when I told them about it. They didn't even know that it was in the products that they were selling. So I know. I, I just again, I find it, I find it just very hard to understand such pushback to wanting to change it. And I think some of one of the things I heard was it's everywhere. So what are we going to do about it? Oh, you can low, you can lessen your load is is what you can do. You can yeah. buy stuff that doesn't have PFAS in it. You can ditch the dental floss, the Glide dental floss, which is coated with PFAS, and use something that's coated with wax instead. I mean, there are ways we can we can lessen the load and protect ourselves. I just again, I disagree with that that sentiment that there's nothing we can do because it's everywhere. I, well, I don't understand. Thing, I mean, it's it is so pervasive, and they're finding it's all over the place. It is very difficult to clean up because it you know they're testing it down to um, parts per million, 
And um, that's a very, very tiny amount, you know. And so we in the town of Merrimack, we had a warrant article and, and we voted to for our town to pay $14 million to, to filter our public water. You know, so so our public water is now at a lower level. There's still some PFAS in it, but it's at a much lower level. But we had to pay for that, not not the corporation that has squatted in our town and done this to us. Right. So I, I think, you know, I think I think that one of the things that's happening and you're certainly a big part of it. I, I believe you were recognized during the Democratic Convention. Am I right for your work? Um, yes. And that was a surprise. That was a surprise. And I didn't know that was going to happen. Where was that? Who who presented that? I, I uh, Josh remember. Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania. Wonderful. That's wonderful that he recognized it. Um, let's talk for a minute about, I, I know you've been chipping away at this and chipping away of this. And um, I believe that you were one of the sponsors of um, the uh, a law relative, amb- to, relative to ambient groundwater quality standards. Am I right? And that yep. the government signed. So that's, that's every thing is a victory. Uh, were right. there any that passed in the, in the last se- session relative to PFAS? No, the last session, um, it, so it shouldn't be a partisan uh, subject, but apparently it is um, because the Republicans see any kind of pushback on PFAS levels as infringement on a company's right to make a profit. So, you know, it shouldn't be a partisan issue, but it appears to be a partisan issue because the Democrats are saying, you go ahead and use these chemicals if you want to, but dispose of them safely. You have no right to um, affect people's health because of your business. You know, so, I mean, that's basically the, the big difference. So in the last term, there was only one Democrat from Merrimack and very little to nothing got done on PFAS. Um, because they see it as encringement on, you know, free market and whatever. They think, you know, if you don't like it, you'll just sell your house and move to a different town. Well, who is going to buy a house like I have that you can't use the water? Who's going to buy that? You know, I have to say, um, you know, I respect many, many of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. And I think some of this is coming from the extremists. They are a faction that that is causing enormous havoc in in New Hampshire. Chaos is their middle name. That's you know they're doing everything just to create chaos. But you know the other thing is so for years and years and years there's a group in my town, Merrimack Citizens for Clean Water, and we have put out articles and we've put out graphs and we've put out statistics, and and that's that's how Democrats work. You know we rely on facts and figures and we present it. But the thing is, the average person doesn't get that. They don't understand these charts. And, you know, we can say that PFAS is is bad until we're blue in the face, but they won't get it. But when I came out and said, I have breast cancer, I've had to have tons of surgery, and my doctors think that this is because of PFAS, well, now you've got someone's attention. Right, right. I thought that your your testimony was very powerful. And to me, it was very difficult to just discounted as being an outlier. Um, yeah. I know you've, you've submitted new legislation for the next session. What bills are you most um, um, excited about putting forth next year relative to PFAS? I'm submitting to and working with uh, Senator Chanley on another one. So we'll start with uh, uh, Senator, the, Senator Chanley's bill. She 
is going to put a bill forward that will define PFAS chemicals because we do not have a legal definition. And without having a legal definition, and I think it happened in your committee, the lobbyists tried to define it for us and they define it to their benefit. So we, we can't have that. We need to have a legal scientific definition of PFAS for our books. So that's one of the bills. I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm submitting a, an LSR for um, DES if they, if they, for any permit, they have to consider public benefit and community impact. They have to, they can no longer just, you know, fill out an application. I've been talking with people in New York State and they have um, departments of environmental conservation, departments of environmental protection. I went to a meeting with DES and they're like, we don't care about the people or the environment. It's, it's whether or not they filled out the application, you know, and that's got to change. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, another um, LSR that I, that I put in, I haven't gotten the wording back yet, but um, it is a House resolution. And a House resolution is an official document from one governing body to another governing body. And basically, it's a short history of St. Cobain that they have lied, the damage they've done in our town, and asking President Biden Shaheen, Hassan, Pappas, Custer, and the president of France to keep their eyes on this situation as they close down to make sure that they are fully responsible for remediation. And and, and sadly, that will probably get quite a bit of pushback. But um, I don't um, know. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, because I, all I'm asking them is to keep their eyes on the situation. I feel somewhat hopeful going forward. We have seen a little movement in commerce to saying, yes, we have to do something about that. This, are you feeling hopeful at all that we're going to slowly, I know it's going to happen not at once. Do you think that we'll be slowly chipping away at this? Well, there's, there's a core group of us that will continue to slowly uh, chip away, but you know, Full protections are not going to be in place until we've got a Democratic governor, Democratic Senate, Democratic Executive Council, and a Democratic House. Because we are all on top of protecting people, giving people dignity, and providing services. You know, So if we could have that, that set up, we could pass so many things that would help people and protect them. I, I will not name him, but a Republican colleague said to me um, that he was personally going to make sure that this and other bills were killed, um, which I, I found um, hard to hear. But yeah. Again, as you said, I think um, looking forward, I'm hoping that that with a change in the in the legislature that that we will move forward. So, yeah, you know, and it is so discouraging to hear that because, I mean, I see I, you know, I see so much damage from these chemicals and it just defies coincidence. You know, when you've got, you know, every house that has a private well has cancer, um, you know, four dogs that have cancer. Yeah. It just defies coincidence. And so when I hear things like that, it just makes me, you know, want to doubt the human experience. Yeah. You know, I just say in, in, in wrapping up here, um, just a little, little anecdote. I bought a rug because my grandkids were coming and I thought it'd be more comfortable for them to run around on this rug. And yeah. I, I got it and I opened it up and I saw that it had, I researched it, saw that it had PFAS in it and I got rid of it. I sent it back and I said, I am not having them roll around. Right. 
not having my pets roll around in it. I'm not having any of us roll around in it. So it's yeah. every have to be aware of it. Well, you do have to be aware of it and you have to be open to the science that is showing that this is very dangerous, you know, and right now, I don't know how we got here, but we're in a very anti-scientific point in American history. And it's it's insane. I mean, they're taking good science and they're just saying it's, it's fake news. Uh, Europe is much better at protecting their people. And they have strict rules on PFAS and they have testing and they, they've made more correlation to different diseases and stuff. I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you do on behalf of not just your own community, but for everyone in New Hampshire. And I, I think, I think we need to understand it's not a Merrimack problem. It's not just a Hampshire problem. This is a pervasive problem that we need to address head on. So I hope you, you keep going and do what you're doing and, and uh, you're inspiring other people like myself to get more involved and and to fight. Well, it is literally a, a case of life or death, you know, so. Well, I want to thank you for being here on Digging In, and I will see you soon in, in the new session in 2024. Excellent. Thank you for having me. This week's Political Putts of the Week award goes to two people, State Representatives Glenn Cordelli of Tufton Borough and Katie Petternell of Wolfboro. Now, these two representatives have been organizing meet and greets in public libraries to introduce Katie Anderson, a woman in her late 20s who made the decision herself to de-transition seven years into her treatment for what she believed to be gender dysphoria. I went to see her recently at the Wolf Pearl Library, and I publicly told her that I don't question her journey, and I don't question the pain she describes in her public appearances. But what troubles me is that Ms. Anderson takes her own personal experience and translates that into a message that transitioning is dangerous, wrong, and harmful for everyone. She authoritatively asserts that hormones don't belong in your body and that they poison people. She suggests that transitioning is a physical intervention that is being used to treat a psychiatric condition. Although she frequently says the words, from my experience, in her presentations, and she states that those who seek gender-affirming care have been caught up in the gender ideology that is being pushed by the left. Now, I have no doubt that Anderson believes she made a horrible decision as an adult that has lifelong consequences. She had hysterectomy and a double mastectomy, and she'll never be, be able to bear children. I sympathize with her pain. I truly do. But nowhere in her presentation did I hear about any research from leaders in the scientific community, including the American Medical Association, the Endocrine Society, the Association of Pediatrics, and the American Psychiatric Association. All of these organizations base their opinions on studies and data and conclude that access to gender-affirming care is associated with better mental health outcomes and that the lack of such care can cause young people to suffer from higher rates and suicide and depression. All of these organizations base their opinion on studies and data, and they conclude that access to gender-affirming care is associated with better mental health outcomes, and the lack of such care can lead to higher rates of suicide and depression. Now, detransitioning has clearly become a political football that challenges the validity of gender-affirming care. 
Many believe that the movement was the result of the religious right losing the battle against gay marriage. They moved on to what they deemed to be the next best thing, which was transgenderism. The danger of this movement is that legislators across the country, including New Hampshire, are working overtime to introduce laws that ban or severely impede gender-affirming care, particularly for minors. The problem is that many of the legislatures who are proposing this legislation are relying on opinions rather than on evidence-based science, and that's a real opinion. They're doing that to create these dangerous laws. Now, Alabama passed a law, made it a felony to danger or cause specific types of medical care for transgender minors. Can you imagine what, what doctors need to think about when a child comes to them for help with their parents? What do they do? It's a, it's a real dilemma. And Governor Greg Abbott of Texas issued an order for parents to be screened by Child Protective Services if they allow preteens and teens to, to receive gender-affirming care. New Hampshire legislators like Glenn Cordelli and Katie Pedernal are doing real harm to young people who are struggling with their identity and who require gender-affirming care so that they can get to what amounts to life-saving treatment. So again, I want to offer my sincere congratulations to Representatives Cordelli and Pedernell for their tireless work in attacking the trans community and for being named as the political putzes of the week. Thank you for listening to Digging In. I want to thank Representative Wendy Thomas for joining me. My next episode will be with former Carroll County attorney, Michaela Andruzzi, who has spent much of her legal career advocating for the victims of domestic and sexual violence. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Digging In wherever you get your podcasts. I would also appreciate if you could spread the word about this podcast to your friends and on social media. 